in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. show we got bg we got randy no davis kim this week after vikings loss he said he'll be back win or lose next week um so we can we can look forward to davis next week bg and andy another full week of football week four in the nfl week five in college football andy uh i kind of hate you both your teams uh won again this week iowa now up to number three in the ap poll ahead of a huge matchup at home uh, against Penn State. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, but BG, our, our beloved Minnesota Vikings, tough loss on Sunday to the Browns at home. And really a game that, that we had so many chances to win. I mean, it looked like both teams were trying to lose uh, as hard as they could. I mean, the offensive line was horrendous for the Vikings. The defensive line at times was horrendous. They only let up one touchdown. The stats were a lot uglier on the defensive side of things. Uh, than we typically see for the Vikings, although this season they have given up now four games in a row, 100 rushing yards. They give up 184 to the Hunt-Chubb duo, uh, even Baker mixing in there for a few. Uh, but 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 the Browns looked very beatable, and the Vikings just didn't do enough to win. They didn't find a way to win, and that's what good teams do. And, and so far this season, BG, Minnesota Vikings 1-3, not looking like a good team. Yeah, like you said, it was a really tough loss for, I think, two main reasons. Um, well, three main reasons. One, it was a winnable game. It wasn't like we were getting pounded um, by the Browns. We were in scoring position up until the last play of the game to potentially tie that game or go ahead with a two-point conversion. So it's just frustrating to see those winnable games uh, grasped through our fingers um, when we know we could have played a hell of a lot better on the offensive side and the defense side. Second of all, it's, it's tough to see because it's a home loss, and we know the Vikings are extremely good at home in U.S. Bank Stadium, and we only get so many home games in this tough schedule that we have this season. So losing one at home, it's, it's just tough Monday morning looking back and not coming away with a win when you play at home. And third of all, it's, it's really rough going one and three when you could get back to 500 and go two and two after an 0 and two start. So now we got to climb back against Detroit, thankfully, uh, this next week um, and try to get back to 500 now. But, yeah, like you said, it's it's disappointing to see the Vikings fall back after playing great against the Seahawks on the offensive side, only putting up one score in the first five minutes of the game and then playing okay defensively but letting up 180 rushing yards, like you said, and – not being able to go past the Browns with a horrible Baker Mayfield the way he played on Sunday. Yeah, Baker was bad, really bad. And even uh, 
worse than Kirk at a, at a lot of times, especially when he had open receivers. Uh, the glaring one is is the Odell Beckham uh, wide open along the sideline would have walked in for a touchdown to end that game with a little over a minute remaining in the fourth quarter. He throws it way behind him. Odell doesn't catch it. If I can get, get the ball back with another chance to win the game, they don't do so, um, and the Vikings lose. But it, it was a uh, – I mean, it's another game of data, as P.J. Fleck would say. Now we have four games of data to work on, and, and there's some interesting trends, uh, starting with the Vikings uh, through the first four games. I mean, it's another slow start. Just like last year, you're off to a 1-3 and three start, and at least we have 17 games this year. Uh, give us one more to try to get back into that pre- playoff race. Uh, but <clears throat> through the, the first four games here, BG, we've scored three opening drive touchdowns um, on the season, which is pretty good. I mean, the initial, the start of the game for this offense, for Clint Kubiak, for Kirk Cousins, has been phenomenal. I mean, they've been very, very good. And really, you could say the first half. Uh, of, <clears throat> of all these games. And Kirk has been unbelievable. I think he's he's rated fourth in uh, expected points added per play, which is a stat we talked about last year. EPA per play is is the kind of uh, the moniker uh, on the stat line. And, and that's like a PFF type stat that's been used now in the last couple of years. It's getting more attention really this year. Um, but Kirk has had an EPA per play uh, he, he's been the fourth expected points added per play in the first half, uh, which, which is pretty solid. He's been ahead of Aaron Rodgers, just behind Russell Wilson uh, on the first half EPA per play. Uh, but the second half, he's the fourth worst quarterback in all of the NFL, in the, all of the NFL, which is just, I mean, that's such a big change from, from fourth best to fourth worst. I mean, that, that is a drastic change, and, and, and it's probably not all on Kirk Cousins. But some of it has to be on his shoulders, and some of it has to be on the offensive coordinator's shoulders. Clint Kubiak, who has been, like I said, brilliant in the in the first drive of games. His his play calling, his scripted play calling, and they talk about the first fifteen plays scripted for for an offense, and they've been very good at doing that. So his ability, Clint's ability to execute a game plan in those first fifteen plays has been exceptional. And you got to put some of that on him and some of that on Kirk Cousins for the rest of the game. I mean, it's been absolutely terrible. And we've scored one touchdown in the second half of the first four games of the season. And that came on our first drive of the second half against the Bengals. We haven't scored a touchdown other than the first drive of the second half of the first game of the season. So this, the last 20 drives, we've had 21 possessions in the second half of games through the first four this year. We have one touchdown. And... When you look at that, when you look at 20 consecutive possessions in the second half of games, we have no touchdowns. I mean, that just cannot happen for an offense who's supposed to be putting 30 points up a game. I mean, you cannot put this loss on the offense or on, on the defense, rather, who only let up one touchdown. And it was kind of a fluke touchdown because on that fourth down play, Everson, or I mean, rather, Kendricks gets called for a ticky-tack hold. And it was very, very egregious call when you see the replay of it. He just grabbed his jersey, not even enough to pull the whole jersey, but he just grabbed it right out of his hip, and, and there was a little smack of the jersey on his hip, but it wasn't like his entire jersey was even pulled at all, or yet that it even affected the play. Nevertheless, Vikings get called for P.I. on fourth down, and the Browns end up scoring their only touchdown of the day, coupled by a penalty from having too many men on the field. I'm not even going to put that one on Tomlinson for calling the timeout because we were going to get a penalty either way. So you can say, like, oh, he shouldn't have called a timeout. Well, we had 12 men on the field. Either way, we're getting that penalty. 
So you can't put that one on Tomlinson. That's a personnel issue on, on the Vikings, on the coaching staff, on the players. for not getting the right personnel on the field. And, I mean, I don't know where we else want to go from there, but there's just so many of these little mistakes, BG, that when you add them up in, in a game like this, we lost 14-7. to seven. One of those plays goes our way, and we find a way to win, but, but, you know, good teams don't find ways to lose, and that's what we're doing through four games right now, and, and something that's got to change quickly. Yeah, Here's, uh, oh, go ahead, BG. Yeah, I was just going to say quick that I think that part of the blame has to be on the coaching staff. Um, I don't know whether it would be Zimmer or Kubiak, but just not being able to adapt and change this past Sunday where, like you said, we script 15 plays. They go beautifully just like they have been going up for us this first four games of the season. And I was listening to Zimmer's press conference, and he said, yeah, after that first drive, they started putting pressure more on Kirk and doing more blitz packages. And sure, maybe I could get your thrown off in the first half and you go into the, the locker room at halftime saying, okay, what are we going to do? We've only put one scoring drive together. Let's go out and change what we're doing. But we, we didn't in the second half. It was more of the same where Kirk would get a second, two seconds at most to get the ball out of his pocket or to get the ball out of the, his hands in the pocket. And you could just see, he was kind of rattled, um, collapsing in the pocket where guys are in his face or getting close to him. It was just that old Kirk where he doesn't have two yards around him in a clean pocket. But just not being able to adjust and get that running game going, get the screen game going to alleviate some of the pressure, only targeting Adam Thielen once or twice with five minutes to go in the game. It's just not who we are as the Vikings. And obviously the offensive line, uh, play you can blame on the offensive line, but something has to be done to adjust. And when you have Kirk Cousins playing the way he has, when you have Delvin Cook, even though he was injured, you still have Madison as a backup running back. When you have Thielen and Jeff- Jefferson, and you only score one touchdown in a game, there's got to be some something done, and it falls on the players. And I think, especially on the coaching staff this week, and we've said it at least twice now, I think two times in a row, but. Zimmer's got to take some blame and his hot seat got a little less hot last week after a good road or not a road win, but a good win against the Seahawks and now falling to one and three. I think it's back on the hot seat for him. Yeah, it certainly I've, is. Uh, Go ahead, Randy. I've, I've got some stats for you guys. I, um, I haven't watched a lot of Vikings football this year. So, uh, interested to, interested to hear how you guys, uh, digest these. So yesterday, uh, in a clean pocket cousins, uh, Cousins' yards per attempt, air yards per attempt were 8.3 yards, uh, which would, you know, that that's pretty high in the National Football League. When pressured, uh, he's at uh, two yards per attempt, which would put him even under pressure uh, towards the bottom end of NFL quarterbacks. For the season, he is second to last, uh, only ahead of Matt Ryan in air yards per pass attempt this year. Like, is it is just, just a factor of, like, getting Kirk a clean pocket? And, like, you know, if, if he can get a clean pocket, then he can do everything. Like, is he just that bad when under pressure? Like, and, and, and I'm not even talking accuracy-wise. Like, you know, you can't score a lot of points when if you're getting pressured 40% of the time and you're just dumping the ball off. I mean, you're not going to win football games doing that. Yeah, I mean, Kirk was pressured on on 50% of his dropbacks uh, on Sunday. I think 22 pressures on 44 dropbacks for Kirk. And, I mean, yeah, that's, that's 
basically yeah it's, it's now 51 games for Kirk Cousins as, as a Minnesota Viking and that's been the story and basically every game he's had with the Vikings I mean there were some times like against Arizona this year where his he was getting the ball out so fast that it didn't matter that the offensive line was breaking down or it they didn't even have time but this game it was and I would be curious to see how quickly he was under pressure and I haven't looked at those stats we don't have access to a lot of them I know Davis does with his pro football, his PFF, uh, you know, full standing or whatever, uh, he could probably tell us a lot more on on time until he was pressured. Because, I mean, in this game, it seemed like, just watching it, that the offense of line gave Kirk literally no time. I mean, on, I would say, of the 22 pressure dropbacks, there was a free rusher on at least 25, 30% of them, where Kirk was literally having a guy unblocked running right at him. And, like, what what do you expect any quarterback to do? We saw Patrick Mahomes last year in the Super Bowl look like an idiot on a bunch of plays, not look like the, the best quarterback to ever walk the face of the earth like he's getting praised for at, at times. I mean, he's still young in his career, but he looked like a fool at times last year in the Super Bowl. So any quarterback under some of those situations is going to look bad. Kirk is especially bad when he's pressured. And, and yeah, the the expected or the uh, – the, the yards per play or whatever the uh, stat you were mentioning, Andy, is bad. And he, I think he's 5.3 just ahead of Matt Ryan, like you said. Uh, but a lot of that in, in this game, at least, was on the offensive line to me. I mean, some of it was schematic, too, like lining up Conklin uh, on, on one of their first-round pick defensive ends. Like, yeah, that's going to go well. Let's put our backup tight end on a first-round NFL defensive lineman who is going to flat-out run him over or run around him. And that's what they did every single time we did that. And we, even when we went to pass pro, we went to five, six, seven guys protecting Kirk Cousins. We still couldn't give him more than a second and a half. And when you look at the other quarterbacks around the league, like you watch that Sunday night game, you watch Tom Brady, you watch even Mac Jones with a .32 second release time on some of their throws. You're like, man, I wish Kirk could do that uh, because that's what we needed in some of those situations. So maybe it's getting Kirk to throw the ball quicker. But I think a lot of it is just giving us more time and getting us in better situations. We're not matching up tight end on the first round pick or tight end on the first round pick on the other side. I mean, we are just getting burned in those situations. We got to get two or three guys uh, blocking some of these defensive ends that we're going against that are just absolute nightmare matchups for for this offensive line. And I think a big part of that is getting Christian Derisaw in the lineup, getting our first round pick in the lineup who hasn't played a snap of football yet. In, in the National Football League, at least a meaningful snap. He was in on special teams this week. He had a couple of snaps uh, on the PAT unit, on the field goal unit, but he hasn't played any meaningful football. And I think with a full week of practice, I would expect to see him out there this week with how bad Rashad Hill played this last week uh, against the Browns. And the same thing could be said about Anthony Barr. I mean, we haven't seen him, and he's been such a vital staple of this defense for so long, and he's getting paid all kinds of money. And the coaching staff, regardless of what the media says, regardless of what the fan says, is so adamant that Anthony Barr is a staple of this defense and his tackling has been missed. That third and 20 draw play, we'll hear from Mike Zimmer in a little bit about that. Uh, but that third and 20 draw play, when, when they run for, for 30 yards, is ridiculous. I mean, you cannot have that happen. And, and you have to think that if Anthony Barr, one of the best run-stopping linebackers in the NFL, is in the game, then we, we make that tackle. And that's what you're looking forward to for, for the rest of the season, getting Darisol in there, getting Anthony Barr in there, seeing what those guys can do to help their respective sides of the ball and, and seeing what this Vikings team can do with, with a ton of weapons on both sides.
Is Kirk Cousins Ryan Tannehill 2.0? Yeah, he could be. Yeah, he could be for like, sure. Like, I, like, like a good quarterback who just like isn't in the right place. Like Tannehill was like just mediocre with great skill guys. It was like Devontae Parker and um, what's his name from uh, for the Browns um, slot receiver. I can't forget his name. Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Tannehill was was just mediocre for eight years, whatever in Miami goes to tan- goes to the Tennessee is a backup new system. Absolutely thrives. Like, is it like, like, is it just getting the right system around Kirk cousins? Like, like, I just don't know. Like he's not like, he has all the tools to be an elite quarterback or like a, a tier two quarterback maybe in the NFL, but it just feels like and he has all the pieces around him too. And it just feels like there's, like there's something missing and it's, you know, like you talk about like, you know, uh, unblocked defense, you know, unblocked rushers. Like that's not on, you know, some cases that's not on the offensive line. That's just, you know, like anticipating a rush um, or just, you know, being able to be flexible as an offense to, um, you know, to pick up those extra rushers when they come, especially when teams know that Kirk does not take pressure well because <laughs> he is a true pocket passer. Like I just feel like the Vikings, like, they just need a better system with Kirk Cousins. Like, I don't think it's a matter of getting rid of Kirk. I think it's mad. It's a matter of getting a better system around him. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I, I don't think it, it's a change of the system that's going to solve the issues right now. I think it's winning in the trenches. I mean, I both mean, offensively and defensively, we were dominated this weekend. I mean, we gave up 184 rushing yards. Kirk was pressured. 22 of his 44 dropbacks. That's a number that's far and away higher than most NFL teams allowing their quarterback to be pressured. And I, I just think that we need to invest more in the offensive line. Whether I mean, we just put a first-round pick in. We've had numerous first-round picks. We've had uh, free agents that haven't worked out on the offensive line. It's not like Rick Spielman, the, the GM, is completely ignoring the offensive line. Just whatever we're doing, whether it be drafting guys or bringing guys in or even coaching young guys up that we draft in third or fourth or fifth round, they're not getting better. And this has been a problem now for almost a decade where the entirety of the offensive line, I mean, there's been times where like, like AP runs for the rushing record. That was a pretty good run blocking offensive line. Yeah, they had the best running back maybe of all time behind them. But you still, you're, you're not going to be a bad run blocking team when your running back goes for nine yards short of the all-time record. I mean, that was a good run blocking team. The pass blocking has never been there. There's never been a full unit behind this offensive line where, yeah, they can run block, yeah, they can pass back. We've never really had that benefit. And I I think that's what it's missing right now. I don't necessarily know what scheme you can do to fix that, whether you go to cut cut blocking uh, like like Army does or like Navy does because they're just undersized and they're underskilled in some cases than the five-star guys that they're playing against. Uh, but I don't know what scheme you'd go to to just say, like, okay, our offensive line sucks. We're just going to switch to this scheme, and now it's not going to matter. I think in every scheme, it matters if your offensive line sucks at one facet. And right now they suck at pass blocking, and they suck at run blocking this week. But it's been inconsistent. I mean, that's been the struggle of the Vikings really all season is the offense has been great through three weeks, and the defense was horrible. We managed to win one of those games. Now week four, the, the defense is great. They only let up one touchdown, and they make Baker look like an idiot for most of the day, and some of that was on him for sure for missing wide-open receivers. 
But but the defense does their job in week four, and the offense only scores on the opening drive of the series of of the of the game, and, and never again. So it, it's just a time right now yeah. where they just can't put it all together. I mean, the Vikings can't put a solid offensive performance and a solid defensive performance into one game and get a win. And when we see that, if we see that, it's going to look good, and, it, and it's going to be very rewarding to Mike Zimmer and to this coaching staff. Uh, because they, they can see it every day. And Zim's, Zim's been saying that I've been in the business. We'll hear it in just a second. But he said, I've been in the business 27 years. This is a good football team. I know good teams from bad teams. This is a good team. Well, right now, they're not, they're not looking like a good team. At least they're not winning like good teams win. Yeah, and, and, and just to close the loop on the Tannehill comparison, I mean, I guess what people say, too, about Tannehill going from Miami to Tennessee is that Tennessee is a good offensive line, and he never had a good offensive line in, in Miami. And Miami still doesn't have a good, good offensive line. Um, but I think like those two guys are like skill set wise, very similar. And it's just interesting to see one have so much, so much success. And then also, you know, Tannehill this weekend doesn't know what he's doing when he doesn't have his skill guys out there, you know, loses to the New York jets. Like I feel like Kirk Cousins too. Like if he doesn't have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen or a couple of years ago, Stefan Diggs out there, like he, like, I feel like he has to have all the right pieces around him to be an elite quarterback and until the Vikings can get all those pieces, which it's damn hard to do. Like it's, it's going to be tough to win with them. All right, let's bring in coach Zim and Kirk cousins. Uh, We spoke with them for just a brief time after the game yesterday. Here is Kirk cousins. Nope. Rather let's, let's start with Zim. Here's coach Zim coach, your thoughts from the one and three start. Like I told the team, I've been doing this 27 years. I know good teams and I know bad teams. And I, I know that this team has a chance to be pretty darn good. We, we may not look like it right now because we're one and three, but um, you know, it's even like, even like Kevin said to me before the game, you got a really good football team here. So, uh, and they do too. They just were a little bit better than us today. Yeah, they definitely were better than us today, Zim. And I agree. I mean, there's definitely some parts that look good, but let's get Kirk Cousins' take on the Cleveland defense today. They had a good. They had a good pass rush. Uh, it was uh, understood going into the game, um, and they they did a good job. You know, throughout the game, they also did a good job in coverage. Uh, some of some of the, I think for sure one of the sacks was a coverage sack. Um, so you know, they, they they did a good job. Anytime you lose, um, it hurts, and uh, you have to you know be tough-minded and, and get back up on the horse the next week and go to work, and uh, that's what we'll do. Yeah, very, uh, very profound there from Kirk. Some great sound bites from him. Uh, here was my favorite sound bite from the Zim presser. This was the Monday edition of a press conference. Uh, after watching the film, uh, here's what Mike Zimmer had to say: "Ifs and buts are candies and nuts, but you know, there's there was a lot of things there that we still could have won that football game. We get a holding call on fourth down in the, on the end zone, um, you know, which is." really ticky tacky um you know uh, you know so there's a lot of things throughout the course of these four ball games that um we haven't done enough but we're darn close so i just keep seeing you know i keep seeing with my eyes the offense how good they can be and the defense how much they've improved and they're playing together uh you know we're giving up 30 some points a game the first week or two now it's last week it was 17 this week it's 14 you know so i see 
the, the progress that we're making. It may not show up in the wins and losses yet, but if we stick to the grindstone, it will. Here's my gripe about that, and it has nothing to do with Coach Zim's answer to the question. It's the freaking reporters who aren't even there. That's the Monday edition of the press conference. That happened earlier today. This obviously is releasing on Tuesday, so that happened yesterday. The reporters aren't there. Turn off your damn mic so we don't hear you typing and hear your phone buzzing the entire time. I mean, there's two different times the phone went off, and then you just hear all the idiots typing. The whole, turn off your damn mics. Come on. Let's make this sound a little bit cleaner for the Wake and Take podcast. Uh, but I think Zim had some good points. I think he has maybe some delusion. I guess that will be, you know, that's remained to be seen on their, how the rest of the season finishes. Uh, but I hope he's right, BG. I hope he's right that, that we have a good team and that they're going to find a way to start winning games. And I, I do think there's good pieces on both sides. There's playoff potential on both sides of the ball. They just need to put it all together. They need to find a way. Uh, my last point about the Minnesota Vikings before we move on to some Gophers, uh, a little bit of Packers, and then some Big Ten talk uh, is, is this. Thielen was definitely interfered with on that last play of the game. I know it's not the reason we lost, and that's why I want to bring it up last is because that, that wasn't the reason we lost. But we should have had one more play from the one-yard line, and you can even see on Twitter that Terry McCauley, uh, Sunday Night Rules official guy, uh, was in complete agreement with that. I mean, Thielen, based on the rules of the game, they don't often call it on the last play of the game, but sometimes they do. Good quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks get that call. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, they get that call uh, late in the game, and, and we didn't get that call. But but Thielen was 100% held. The defender, I don't know who it was, didn't even turn his head. Not once did he turn his head. And he was all over Thielen. I'm not saying Thielen was even going to catch the ball, but to the people who say that wasn't a catchable ball, totally wrong because Thielen was four yards away from it. If he's not held, if he's not run into by the defender, he has a chance to see that football and get a chance to get his body in position to catch it. And who knows if he would even caught that ball, but he was 100% interfered with, and that should have been a pass interference. And we should have gotten the ball with one more play from the one-yard line with a chance to win the game. And... The fact that we didn't isn't really surprising. I mean, that's Minnesota Vikings football to a T. And there's a few other NFL franchises like the Lions who you could say they're not going to get that call either. But we should have had one more play from the one-yard line with a chance to win that game. Or at least tie the game, I should say. Uh, We probably wouldn't have gone for two, but we should have a chance to at least tie that game. Uh, BG, Randy, let's go around the NFL now. Uh, We can start Packers if you want to, Andy. You guys routed... This week got out to uh, now a pretty commanding lead in the NFC North with the Vikings falling to one and three, really your biggest threat in the North. Um, but a- any thoughts from around the NFL or the Packers from week four of the NFL? Yeah, I mean, the the Packers beat the Steelers, and I don't know how much of a win that is because Big Ben is uh, l- quite literally on his last legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of his career, but um, yeah, I mean, where the NFC North is, I mean, I still think the Vikings can contend in the North. Um, I think it's the Vikings or the Packers this year, and we've got off the strong start to to win the division. And um, I mean, I am uh, I'm much more much more excited to talk college football this week than I am uh, NFL football. But um, around the league, I guess 
Um, I was golfing with my dad all weekend, so I didn't really watch much okay. football. Um, didn't cool. set my fantasy football team lineups. Mm-hmm. Just enjoying this fine, uh, you did fine fall wow. weather and not doing any of the prep that I probably should have done for a sports podcast. That's a bold move, not setting your fantasy lineups in, in week four. You, but you know what? Definitely you know one what? that it's, I would expect out of you. You know what? It was it like, like I um, golfed seventy-two holes with my old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful weather. You know, woke up six a.m. Saturday and Sunday, golf till sunset. Um, like it was nice to kind of just put the phone down and be out in nature, hit some good golf shots, hit some bad golf shots mm-hmm. and yeah, well, I'm know, really, figure I'm out really what happened uh, to the Packers game in the evening. Yeah. I'm so. really happy for you. Um, BG, did you get a chance to watch that Sunday night game? Randy, you're probably playing golf, but I thought Mac Jones looked brilliant. Obviously they lost the game. Uh, but Mac Jones, he looks like by far and away at, at, through four weeks in the NFL season uh, for these rookie quarterbacks, the best rookie quarterback. I mean, he looked poised at, at times, looked like Tom Brady uh, back there, and they had a good chance to win as seven-and-a-half-point dogs at home. Uh, in the final seconds of that game, obviously they missed a 56-yard field goal to, to, to win the game or to at least give them the lead. Um, there was still a minute left in the game, but I was very impressed with Mac Jones. I don't know if any either of you guys saw that game, but he, he looked pretty good. Yeah, I didn't get to see much of it actually, but um, saw some highlights. And yeah, he's he's by far been the best rookie quarterback this season, which is a big surprise um, when it was a great quarterback draft class with Lawrence Fields, Zach Wilson, um, and whoever else. But yeah, he's he's playing great, and from the outside, seems like a nice guy um, with his head on straight. So I'm a I'm a Mac Jones fan. Yeah, I would agree. And Zach Wilson as well, getting his first win as a rookie quarterback uh, for the Jets. That was an ugly one, uh, but but they got the win. And Zach Wilson now 1-3 with the Jets, uh, and they got a big win for them against Sam did, Darnold. Did you, did you guys see the Jets stats uh, after they won that game? That no. The Jets, the last 26 times, 26 games where they've been down by seven points or more, they've lost 26 times in a row. They've been down by a touchdown and haven't won the game. That is absolutely incredible. And they broke that streak this weekend because they're the New York jets. Um, but 26 times going, imagine as a fan for the past, like two seasons going down a touchdown and just being like, yep, the game's over. <laughs> we're not going to be able to do anything because we're down by a touchdown. <laughs> so. That reminded yeah. me of a similar stat. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure maybe you guys have seen this, but the Jaguars have, have lost 19 games in a row, I think it is, um, since their 1-0 start to the season. I guess maybe that would be last year already, um, when they started 1-0 and tweeted out like a, in the locker room the video of what, – what is their quarterback, the dude with the mustache? Minshew. Um, yeah, Menchu saying like we're not satisfied with one and zero. We have a great game next week, but we got to get focused for it. They tweeted that out saying like we're not satisfied with one and zero, and they've dropped the last nineteen games. Oof, which I think is just hilarious. Hey, but but do you want you want to know another Jaguar set? The Jaguars haven't lost a game since uh, Urban Meyer was grinding on a on a young blonde yeah, in a uh, Columbus <laughs> bar. Um, so undefeated. So I mean, maybe this is the this is the winning formula for uh, the team moving forward. Yep. 
He's going to need to go out wherever he plays. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was in that, that video, I think, was from some bar in Columbus that he owns. Uh, but, yeah, definitely some questions for Urban Meyer to answer when he faces the media. I was, I assume <laughs> was today. I don't know if every – I think they all have to talk to the, to the media on Monday. Uh, I'll do a little digging here as we're on the pod. Uh, to see if Urban Meyer said anything, because that obviously a very controversial weekend for Urban uh, as the Jacksonville Jaguars start 0-4, and he has a scandalous video released of him from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, should we move to some NCAA stuff as I look up some Urban Meyer quotes here? Oh, I'm I, I'm down to talk NCAA football. I don't know about you Gophers fans, but... Yeah, let's talk NCAA football for days. Let's talk. I mean, as I said last week, Gophers competitive in the Big Ten West. Randy, they get the win on the road at West Lafayette in a sloppy game where there was, we were talking about it in the pre-show here, but the cheerleaders were literally doing belly flops into the slop on the sideline. There was so much rain that the water was pooling into big mud piles on their grass field in West Lafayette, which is rumored to be the worst Big Ten uh, college town and really the worst by far. Um, but anyway, there's big puddles on the field. The, the place was a mess. The students, BG, as you mentioned, were actually rocking through the entire game and, and they're three and one or they were three and one. So they had some reason to be going. I don't know who they played, probably nobody. Uh, but the Gophers do get the win in a sloppy environment to get back to three and two and one and one in the big 10 one and zero in the West too, Randy. So you can suck on that as the Gophers win twenty to three. And Randy, you mentioned only nine completions for Tanner Morgan. I thought that was a complete lie, but you're right. He was nine for nineteen. I uh, did have a big touchdown throw to Chris Autumn Bell, a little back shoulder to start the game. I think it was Autumn Bell. Uh, at least I don't have the stats on that right here. But, yeah, it was. Uh, that was a pretty sick throw. And a, and a big bounce back performance from the Gophers to get a win on the road in a sloppy environment and a tough environment too, uh, at West Lafayette. Randy, your thoughts from the Iowa domination on yeah, Friday I night? I found the Urban Meyer America. quote. Oh, you did. Go with that quick. Oh it, yeah, yeah. It wasn't much of anything. He just said he apologized to his team. Um, I apologized to the team for being a distraction. It's stupid. I explained everything that happened and I should not have put myself in that position. And then it goes on to say, uh, Meyer added that he apologized to his family saying they were upset about the video. <laughs> yeah, As here it is. Quote, there was a big group next to our restaurant and they wanted me to come over and take pictures. And I did Meyer said, and quote, they were trying to pull me out on the dance floor, screwing around and I should have left. <laughs> <laughs> Urban Meyer can't 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 turn away from a dance floor. <laughs> here he or continues. I've always been so defensive of them, the players. I remember when Trevor Lawrence told me he was going to Vegas for his bachelor party. I was just like, my gosh, man, be careful, surround yourself because I've seen this happen. Uh, he continues. This team, comma, I spoke to a Steve bunch players of players commit murder. <laughs> I spoke to a bunch of leaders one on one. Spoke to all the players. They're good. They're focused on. A, on Tennessee, I apologize again for being a distraction. A coach should not be a distraction. That's 0-4 Urban Meyer uh, heading into week five for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, his his seat 
is got to be way hotter than, than than Coach Sims at the moment. Oh no! But Urban Meyer doesn't get fired. Urban Meyer has health issues. True. Yeah, that's fair. That's um, yeah, and his health issues involved some uh some coeds this weekend. <laughs> yeah, definitely not not the best look for <laughs> for that program down there. Let's go back to college football. Um, Randy, you guys got a big win over Maryland. Maryland sucks anyway. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean. It's um, our defense is really good. Like just no ifs, ands, and buts about it. It's uh, it's a really good defense. I mean, up until the second half in the Maryland game, Iowa had uh, scored off of every one of their turnovers, and the only reason we didn't in the second half is because we had our C team in, and it was our C team defense that was committing turnovers uh, against uh, Talua or whatever his name is, whatever uh, whatever Tegaviola is playing quarterback for Maryland. So. Um, it's going to be, I mean, th- this is going to be a classic big 10 football game between, uh, Penn state and Iowa this weekend, uh, at Kinnick 3 PM kickoff final score is going to be like 20 to 20 to 18. It's not going to be, it's not going to be like a regular football score because this, this has the, all the, the, the makings of an Iowa football game that has a weird score at the end. Like Iowa won a game, I think against Penn state, maybe a decade ago when Penn state was highly ranked. I think the final score was like six to four, like mm. just a weird, weird score. And that's what Iowa does in these big games. Is they put up weird point totals, whether it's, you know, 15 points against Michigan to beat a, a third ranked team in the nation or 54 points against, uh, against uh, Ohio state to end their championship hopes. But, but it's going to be, it's going to be rocking at Kinnick this weekend. Um, it is, I don't know if I, it, it is the biggest Iowa football game uh, in, since the 1980s. It, it's, I mean, since it was one versus two, Iowa versus Michigan. I mean, it is, the whole state of Iowa is going to be drunk this weekend. Win or loss. Win or lose, they booze, as they say. <laughs> Uh, you know that the, the song, the songs, uh, the song that Iowa sings when we win a football game is "In Heaven There Is No Beer." Um, that's why we drink it here. Um, so it's going to be. Hopefully, we'll be hearing that uh, at Kinnick uh, come about six, seven o'clock on on Saturday night, um, and it'll be. I mean, it'll be. Has there, has there been a? I guess Clemson, uh, Clemson, Georgia was a was a top four matchup. This will probably be the last top four matchup until conference championship games um so just a really big game in in the national college football slate too yeah and surprisingly not getting game day uh game day well, heading to Oklahoma. there's some um th- there is some politics um so high uh fox's Rather program Dallas, i should say it's uh, Dallas, high but... noon sunday big not high noon sunday it would be great if it was called high noon sunday a uh, big, big noon kickoff. There you go. They announced go. like three weeks ago that they're coming to this game and game day announces a week in advance. So I think, I think right. ESPN didn't want to go to the same game that, uh, that their rival, uh, show was going to. Um, but even still going to be a big game nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would put big noon kickoff on a tier lower than college game day. Uh, ESPN's college game day, just cause I think they have the, uh, the experience they have the i don't know the prestige that goes along with espn college game day where it's just like oh yeah that is the college game day show and and big noon kickoff wherever yep. they go is is the second place but 
if I'm ESPN, if I'm if I'm the execs in charge, I'm sending them to the best game of the week. And I don't know who has the rights to call it. Maybe that had some it's Fox. impact. It's okay. Fox too. That would make sense. That would make sense. I mean, yeah. they are going to a big game. It's Oklahoma, Texas. It's the it's the Red River Showdown um, in Dallas. But nevertheless, somewhat surprising to see game day not going to the biggest game of the week because uh, that will be Penn State, Michigan or Penn State. Iowa, I should say, at Kinnick. Um, I, I'm looking at some some Michigan stats at the moment, but I, I think... Look ahead. Uh, yeah, I am. I am for sure. But anyway, I mean, I think I think the Big Ten is in for a good game this weekend. I think Iowa will probably win the game. I don't think the, the Penn State team, especially with Sean Clifford, I mean, he hasn't shown really in the big moments that he's fully there. He's a good quarterback at times. He makes some big plays. Uh, he's been there forever, it seems like. Um, but but in the biggest moments, it seems like Sean Clifford isn't available for that team. I, they did beat Ohio State at home at the whiteout, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I think Kenick's a hard place to win, and I I think Iowa does squeak out a, a strange victory, Andy. I don't know what the over under line is, but I'm taking the under. Whatever it, it is, I'm I, taking the under. I, Iowa hasn't given up uh, more than 24 points in like four or five seasons. Okay. Iowa hasn't lost. Iowa hasn't lost a game by more than a, a, a touchdown in four or five seasons. Like this game is going to be close, regardless of who wins or who loses. It's going to be low scoring, uh, at least for Penn State, because everyone thought Maryland Iowa was going to be low scoring until Iowa put a 50 burger on them. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's going to be low scoring, and it's going to come down to turnovers because that's. I mean, Iowa is on pace to have three of five seasons with more interceptions than touchdown passes allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've given up four, no, three touchdown passes this year, and we have like, what is it, ten interceptions? More than ten interceptions. Um, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a classic Big Ten football game in a great environment, um, and it's I mean, it's a good time for Big Ten football too because take this larger. I mean, we have five of the top 11 teams in the country right now in the Big Ten. Uh, we got in the East, we got Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and then Iowa in the West. Um, I mean, it's, um, I don't think Penn State falls out of that top 11 if they lose this weekend. I don't think Iowa falls out of the top 11 if they lose. Mm, um, they so might. For a couple weeks, they might. Home loss, they might. Depends. I mean, it all depends on what the score is. I mean, if True. they get blown out, yeah. maybe, but if True. it's a. If it's a close, if it's a close game, then I don't think they, they drop too much. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, um, it is going to be nuts this weekend in the entire state of Iowa. Yeah, it's a it's a big game for you guys. Definitely a big game. Uh, let's talk Michigan for just a second. Really, the other team in the Big Ten that has jumped out to to a really fast start. They beat Wisconsin on the road this weekend at Camp Randall. Uh, and they beat him pretty handily. It was 38-17, and it wasn't really ever close uh, in that game, at least from the second half on. Michigan dominated that football game on the road to in an environment where not a lot of teams can win at Camp Randall, and Michigan State found a way to get to 5-0 and now. Uh, and they're showing pretty good signs. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. The next couple of weeks, they got pretty easy games, and they got Michigan State in three weeks. So I guess we'll really find out. Uh, how good Michigan is uh, in that Week Eight matchup against Michigan State, but until then they got they got Nebraska this week on the road, and Nebraska is decent this year at three and three, and then they got a pretty bad Northwestern team um, at home before they play Michigan State. 
so, so really the only other team in the Big Ten that's really jumped off the page to me is Michigan getting out to a 5-0 start and a pretty promising start for Jim Harbaugh in, I don't know, what is like seventh year at Michigan? Something like that. I don't know the numbers. It's it's weird that this year a Michigan team coached by Harbaugh uh, is flying under the radar. Like, never thought anyone would be saying that, you know, with, with this team. But, I mean, that's what they are. I mean, they're they're an under-the-radar team in, in, in college football this year. Not a lot was expected of them, and, and they've uh, they've shown up. Yeah, they have, and they've now shown up to the number nine ranking in the AP poll this week. Uh, it's got to be the highest Michigan's been ranked in quite a while, and especially maybe under Harbaugh. I don't know if they've ever been. Uh, maybe early in the season. I guess they've had some 9-0 seasons, some 10-0 seasons before they lose to Michigan State or Ohio State in the end of the year. But one of the best seasons in recent memory for Michigan, at least to start the year. They should get to 7-0 and before they play Michigan State who has a good chance to be undefeated too. And Michigan State, they're really good as well. I haven't watched them play, but just from a statistics side of things, their defense is phenomenal. They'll have a very good chance to compete in the East. And the East is just really stacked this year. I mean, with Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, there's really four teams there that could win the division. I expect, I guess through through five games, I expect Penn State to win the division, but who really knows how they finish? They could lose Iowa this week. They could lose Michigan State down the road, and they could get two losses in the Big Ten and then not even make the playoff of Ohio State or not even make the championship game, I should say, if Ohio State runs the table uh, the rest of the way through the Big Ten here. Uh, but certainly a lot to watch for in Big Ten football and around the NCAA. Randy, BG, any thoughts, uh, final thoughts, I should say, on week five of college football? Yeah, I just saw this on Twitter. I was just scrolling through Twitter while you guys were watching, and I had no idea that this happened in the Gophers game, but Trey Potts, the running back, obviously, for the Gophers, uh, who left the game in the fourth quarter, is in the hospital in Indiana right now and has not left the hospital since he went there right from the game. And they didn't specify why he's there at all, but he's been in the hospital since Saturday. So whatever it is, it's obviously serious. Um, I just read that they're, they're saying that his condition is good and he's doing better, but obviously leaving the game early, going straight to the hospital and staying there for a couple of days is not good at all. So something to look out for and, and see what's, what's up with pots. Yeah, definitely something to watch. Good point. BG. I, I did see that tweet earlier too, um, from, from Trey pots or from the Gophers rather talking about Trey pots, um, yeah, he was. I, they didn't give a reason. They, I don't know no. what it is, but you would hope it would be precautionary reasons to not have him fly right away home with the team and to have him stay there for a few extra days. But yeah, best best wishes to Trey Potts. I mean, you hope to get him back next week. And I don't even know who we play. I should look that up here. Um, looks are like we, we got Nebraska. Are we off this week? No, we're off. Yeah, we're off. We got to yeah. buy this week. Then we got Nebraska. After the bye, followed by Maryland and Northwestern. So pretty decent little three-game stretch there for the Gophers. Should get three wins. Then they got Illinois. Then they go to Kinnick to play number three ranked at the moment, number three ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, so there's a good chance. I mean, good chance the Gophers go 4-0, I would say, in the next four games, and you would expect them to do that uh, to get back to what would that be? seven and two on the season and 
that would be potentially a ranked Minnesota team against a top 10 ranked Hawkeyes team, you would assume, at that point, halfway through November. Uh, so that could be a good matchup. Maybe uh, I'll be coming down to Kinnick, Randy. Oh yeah, no, that would be a uh, that would be awesome. I mean, it's um, what I'm looking forward to for that Minnesota Iowa game. If you remember last year, um, PJ Fleck did did said something during the week about Kirk Ferentz or about Iowa, like that didn't sit well with Kirk Ferentz. So Kirk Ferentz at the end of the game with Iowa up like two or three touchdowns like used all three timeouts when like the C team for Minnesota was finishing the game out, like used all three timeouts right in a row with like five seconds left. And his remark after the game was, um, you know, figured we'd leave the timeouts here and bring Floyd uh, the trophy back home. So going to be interesting to see if, you know, maybe if, if Minnesota were to win, you know, or be up late, like in a, in a situation to put the game away, like if PJ Fleck does anything similar, you know, oh, I, leading I up certainly that hope week, so. I would hope for a couple uh, drop kick field goals. I would hope for a couple trick plays <laughs> late in the game. Um, just some classic Caruso assery. Some I don't know what the correct term would be, but uh, yeah, I would expect some of that for sure. I mean, pull pull a couple plays out of Glenn Caruso's playbook. Run run a run a drop kick field goal when you're up uh, ninety seven to three against Saint Olaf. Pull pull that out of the bag. Why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. It- and, and Kirk Ferentz is a very likable guy. Like, don't feel like there's a lot of people that he doesn't like, but I feel like there's something about, like, P.J. Fleck. And the, I think it's more so the fact that P.J. Fleck hasn't beaten Kirk yet and, you know, does his P.J. Fleck routine um, every year um, that I think is Kirk that a, is like. Is that a true stat? P.J. has not beaten Kirk? Huh? No, he hasn't. Wow. How many years is uh, that now? Is it year five? Uh, so it's zero and five. Um, and I four. think it's like six or seven in a row that Iowa has has beaten uh, Minnesota. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while for you guys. Um, so I think I think there's something about like something in Kirk is like you know this guy like he can talk once he's beat me, but until he's beaten me, like he can't like he can't talk shit. Like I'm not gonna take any of that. Um, so it's almost like it's almost like Fleck has to earn. Uh, Fierce's respect by beating him, which is like such an old timey football football mentality. <laughs> but but Fierce is an old timey football coach. Yeah, it looks like the last time Gophers beat Iowa was 2014, so that would put it before the PJ Fleck era here at Minnesota. And I think the last, as I think it's been longer since they beat him at Kinnick, or maybe that maybe I don't know if that was at Kinnick, but. Um, I think it's been a while since they've won at Kinnick. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, it's been since... Whew, boy, keep going back, keep going back. It's been since 1993. 99. Iowa, Iowa won in 99. 93, 1993. Was the last time Minnesota won? Oh, no, 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 no. Minnesota won uh, in 1999. 17th ranked Minnesota won. Uh, Wikipedia disagrees with you. Huh? Wikipedia definitely dis- disagrees with you. But I'm, not. I'm looking you- at Wikipedia now. November 20th, 1999. Game in Iowa City, Iowa. 17 Minnesota, 25 to 21. Mm, let's see. 
this is great pod. Yeah, yeah ESPN radio. ESPN does agree with you on that. You're right. Ninety nine was the <laughs> last time the Gophers. So, so and that's before Kirk took over. So since Kirk Ferentz has been the coach at Iowa, he has never lost to Minnesota at home, <laughs> which is he's the longest tenured coach in in all of college football uh, or really D one college for football. You. I'm so, I'm very happy for you. <laughs> I'm very happy for you. Uh, but you know, it would be it would be a huge it would be a huge win for Minnesota to get that win. I mean, that is a great win for PJ Fleck. You know, it's a rivalry game. I mean, if he can get that win, that is like that's big for the program to be able to say, hey, it's been twenty years since you know some of those guys on this team you know have been alive that they've beaten Iowa at you know at Kinnick. Um, so it'll, yeah, it'll be a great game in in a month. Yeah, and I fully expect the Gophers to win that game, <laughs> and, and I hope they do, Randy. I hope they do. Um, fellas, anything else to wrap the pod tonight through four weeks of NFL through five weeks of college football, uh, hockey started this week. I think Timberwolves training camp. I know Timberwolves training camp started this week. Uh, any final baseball thoughts? Playoffs? Baseball playoffs. We don't talk baseball, <laughs> but it's, I think it's going to be, if you're a baseball fan out there, you haven't been paying much attention to baseball. Like I'm a baseball fan who just watches the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be good playoffs this year. So maybe yeah, we'll talk about gonna, it. I'm not going to be watching. I don't watch till the World Series unless the Twins are in it. And uh, that's all Me I got to say on that. So you haven't watched the World Series since you've been alive. <laughs> no, I said just I don't watch the playoffs unless the Twins are in it. The Twins have been in it many times, so I've watched many playoff baseball games. I would say we've lost every one of them though, except for someone when I was very young. But other than that, yeah, you can suck it, Randy. How's your pro baseball team doing? Oh, wait, you don't have one. <laughs> Boom, roasted. I got the Cubbies, but it's, it's uh, that's not, not your team. We that's don't not, like to talk that's about That's not it. your team either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will see you guys all next week. Day after day, I'm more confused. And I look for the light in the pouring You know it's a game I hate to lose And I'm feeling strange Oh, ain't it a shame? Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away won't you take me away, yeah. I'm beginning to think that I'm wasting time. I don't understand the things I do. The world outside looks so unkind. Counting on you to carry me through. Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Won't you take me away? My mind is free
the guitar's coming through to soothe me. Thanks for the joy that you've given me. I want you to know that I believe in your song. Oh, yeah. A rhythm and rhyme and harmony. You help me along. Now making me strong. Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Drift away. Don't, don't, don't. Give me the people. Free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Don't you take me away.